presence. I want you to know that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. No matter what the devil throws at you, God is a constant companion. He's always with you, beside you, in you, and for you. And his goodness will repel every influence of the devil away from you. Remember, he says, even when it comes to temptation, tests, and trials, he will not allow anything above you to come your way. So anything that comes your way, God is saying you are able to conquer it. So what we are learning, uh, what we are doing through faith, is for us to be able to generate strength so that we can forge ahead in our walk with God, so that the glory and the goodness of God can manifest in our lives, so that we can obtain a good report before God and leave a rich legacy that those who are following us and those who are looking at us can also learn from us because our lives are supposed to leave imprints that the next generation will be proud to walk in we don't want our lives to bring disgrace and shame, but rather our lives will bring honor, glory to the name of God so that the next generation can say of a truth, my forebears were people who were of faith. So today, I want us to look at another dimension of the study of faith toward God. Note it, as I've told you already, faith can exist or faith expresses itself biblically in four different ways. Faith expresses itself, I've taught you this already, but I'm beginning from there, expresses itself in four different ways. The first is natural faith. Natural faith is the belief that natural things will do what they are supposed to do. If I'm hungry and I eat food, I will be full. I don't sit behind food and begin to question, can this food fill my tummy? No. All that I need to do is to eat it. When I'm thirsty and I drink water, I know that my thirst will be quenched because that is what water is meant for. That is what we call natural faith. Even in the things that we make, like chairs, when you are going to sit on a chair, you just sit on it because you know that chair will support you. That is natural faith. Then faith can also express itself in what we call saving faith. Saving faith is what we receive initially that brings us to God. That takes us away from our dead works when we were not saved, when we were not born again. Saving faith brings us to God and then it makes our hearts circumcised so that we can be part of the family of God. So saving faith births you into the spiritual family. And then it can also exist in the third form that we call the gift of faith. The gift of faith is an occasional manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This one, we don't have it in our, with us, but it comes from the Holy Spirit. Anytime that he feels we need it, he will give us that gift to operate in our lives so that we can do something that no human strength can do. Usually, you see human beings doing supernatural things. It's a gift of faith most of the time that manifests for them to do that. And what we are studying is the fourth one, which at times I call radical faith. Radical faith. 
or living faith. Say radical faith. It is either radical faith or living faith. This is how we progress and this is how we receive promises from God. Please note it. This one, you can work on it for it to grow or for it to be small as we see it in the Bible. So for people to assess or to progress in God and to receive the promises of God, this is the kind of faith you need to exhibit. And this is what the early believers exhibited and they obtained a good report. This is what the Bible says that without faith, you cannot please God. With, this is the type of faith, the radical faith or the living faith. This is the faith to live by. This is day-to-day -day expression of our trust and our confidence in the promises and in the word of God. In fact, I want you to know that in the Bible, it is concerning this radical faith or living faith only that Jesus reacted when people expressed it. When people expressed it, Jesus reacted. And this is the foundational scripture for this aspect of the teaching that I want us to look at. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Everything we study must be couched in the word of God. Everything we study must be established in the teachings of the heart of God to us as his covenant people. We don't just say things. We don't just use the figment of our imaginations or our own wishes and then we put scriptures over it. No, it has to be a consistent teaching of the Bible. Note it, there is a world of difference between what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. There are so many quotations, the Bible says them, but he's not teaching them. Anything which is a teaching of the Bible, you will see that it's a, in a consistent manner. It runs from the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament consistently. If it is consistently revealed or expressed in the Bible through and through, then it means that it's a teaching that God wants you to act on, to know it, and to practice it. So we want to see how Jesus reacted to the expression of this faith in people. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. We're reading from verse 10 to 13. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. You see, Jesus reacted on the expression of this radical faith in the centurion. Why? The centurion, as you and I will remember, the centurion's servant was sick at the point of death.
So he sent people to go and call Jesus to come and pray for the servant. But as they went and they told Jesus, the centurion sent somebody to come and tell Jesus that, no, you don't need to come under my house. I am not worthy. Only speak a word. And I believe that my servant will be well. When the centurion said that, the Bible says that Jesus marveled. The word marveled means he became fascinated. He liked that. He, he was moved. He was moved because the centurion expressed great faith in the word of God, in the promises of God, that by his tribes we are healed. So as the centurion expressed it, Jesus commended him for his faith. And look, he said, great faith. And as you read the Bible, you come across weak faith, small faith, great faith, strong faith. All these are telling us that our faith can exist in various levels. So if you don't work on your faith for your faith to grow, your faith can be weak. It is, it is, it, is, it gives it to us as we get born again a measure of faith. But you have to grow it. You have to grow it. If you don't grow it, it can be weak, it can be small, it can be little, it can be even dead. Or it can be strong, or it can be great. And this is our part of it. You remember as Pastor Vince was, I mean, making the expression, he said something that our part open causes God to open the windows. If we don't do our part and the windows are not opened by God, it is not God who, are, who has closed it. It is because our faith is not working. We are not acting on what we are supposed to act on. So Jesus marveled and he said, I have not found such great faith. Note it, great faith. Wow. I wish this would be said of our faith. We have done, we've, we've already done the definition of faith. So it is your trust in the word of God and acting on it. Simply put, your trust in the word of God and acting on it. That you know that God means what he says. And whatever he says will always bring the corresponding results, no matter what is happening. No matter the negative circumstances. No matter the horrible attacks that are happening around it. So you see the centurion chose to exhibit radical faith. And Jesus said, your faith is great. In the whole of Israel, I have not found anyone of such great faith. Let's go to another remarks that Jesus made on another situation. Let's go to Matthew, still Matthew. We're going to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, we want to read verse 5 through 9. Matthew 16, verse 5 through 9. Note it. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have not taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, 
Oh, you of little faith, not in great faith, and this time what? Little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Now, now the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood, and he did not tell them to beware of the living of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. You see, here, Jesus' expression is that, O ye of little faith. Of the centurion, he says, I have not found such great faith. Between these two, it's an indication that your faith can either be great, little, weak, dead, or small. It's up to you. So you, once Jesus remarked on it or recommended and rebuked those who are exhibiting little faith. It means that it is important to him and to God. Why? Because it was because of this living faith or radical faith that people express that they obtain a good report. You see here, I don't want to go into, I mean, the doctrinal uh, the co complexities here, but simply when Jesus, you know, when, we, when people do bread, they put, I mean, yeast in it and yeast will make the bread rise. And usually, I mean, uh, when uh, they, they talk about the living of, I mean, people think that it's about the making of bread. So because they did not take bread, they were thinking Jesus has seen that they did not take physical bread. But here Jesus, it, it's an idiomatic expression in the Jewish faith. Uh, in the Jewish, I mean, tradition, that the living of the Pharisees were religious people who have all the jargons and terminologies right, but their actions are not in correspondence with the word of God. Please note it carefully. You can get the rhetoric right. You can talk it. But when it comes to action, you will be <laughs> found short. So he was warning them that don't become those who have the rhetorics or the words but are not able to back it with corresponding action. That is why the Bible says that faith without works is what? Is dead. If you say, I have faith in God, and when it comes to the time that you have to act on the word of God, and you are not able to do it, you are almost like expressing the doctrine of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. So this is what Jesus was warning them about. And in our time, we need to also be careful about this. Because it's very easy to get the language because, I mean, knowledge has increased. You watch TV, you listen to tapes, you watch people preaching. So you can say it right, but you must act also right. Because it is the action that authenticates your faith. It is not just the same. Yes, it's good to say it's right, but then you must also act 
in correspondence to what you say. If you say only and you don't act in agreement, you are leaving in the Pharisees' doctrine. And this is what Jesus was warning them and warning us. When you do that, that faith that you are exhibiting is called little faith. Little faith. It is punctured faith. It is faith that is not complete. That is why I am speaking to you about, I mean, the place of faith in your life and in my life as a subtopic. Please note it carefully. It is something that Jesus has himself commented on when people expressed it. So that means we cannot play with it. We cannot joke with it. There are some people, they think that you can just say it and not do anything and then it will be. It doesn't work like that. I wish it is like that. Then, I mean, uh, just uh, wishes will become horses and everybody will be riding one. But it's not like that. So I want to take you through the things that faith is required in the life of a child of God so that you can be driven or moved to do everything to grow your faith. Your faith must grow. Your faith must grow. Say, I will grow my faith. And with that, you have to do it. Nobody can do for you. It is your part of the deal. It is your part of the covenant work with God. It is, for, uh, 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 I'm trying not to use too much big words, but it is incumbent on you. It is expected of you. It is your sole prerogative. It is only you who can do it for you in this aspect of your faith. So why is radical faith so important in the life of covenant people? Or why can't we overlook the growing of our living faith? We cannot overlook it. Why can't it be overlooked? One, the child of God, according to Romans 1 verse 17, will live by faith. The child of God will live by faith. After you have saving faith, your continuation should be that you live by faith. That is, it means that you do things by faith. You don't have any other choice. This is the way we live in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we live by faith. It is a kingdom. The king is Jesus. We are the subjects. And the way we live is by faith. And faith is taking God at his word. That whatever God has said, I will act on it. We live by faith, not by what we see. Our eyes see things a lot. But if you are now in the kingdom of God, you are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And in the kingdom of the dear son of Jesus, oh, glory to God, we live by faith. If we see before, then we are living like any ordinary person. 
But because you are translated into the kingdom of Jesus, you are to live by faith. No matter what you see, God's word supersedes what you see. What you see is not your final reality. Your final reality is what God says. Your final reality is the promises of God. That is why God makes it crystal clear. Let me read it so that you know that I'm not just saying my own thing. It's uh, Romans 1 verse 17. Romans 1 17. Let, let me even start from 16 to give you clarity. 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This is Paul speaking. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jews first and also for the Greek. Somebody say amen. amen. And then verse 17, he says, For in it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word just there is those who are justified by God. Or those who are born of the spirit of God. We are to live by faith. This is the only way God expects us to live. No other way. We cannot live in any other way but by faith. The gospel will make you born into the spirit of God or the kingdom of God or the country of Christ. And whilst you are in the country of Christ, you are to live by faith. So you do things by faith. And by faith means, like I always say, it's not just in a vacuum. It's your belief in a person, the person of God, the truthfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, the omnipotence of God. Because of that, you know that whatever God has said, he would do. And not only that he would do, he is able to do as well. So you live by what God says. That is what we mean you live. So you cannot overlook the growing of your living faith or your radical faith. Two, the child of God will walk by faith. You live by faith, you walk by faith. Somebody say amen. amen. When you read Romans chapter 4, I want to read this one too. Romans chapter 4. If you have your Bible, let's go to Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. We're reading, we're reading verses 11 and 12. 11 and 12. And here, the he there is talking about Abraham. Uh, when you take your time and read the entire Romans 4, you will know that he was talking about the promise to Abraham and that kind of thing, and how he did not stagger in uh, unbelief, but rather believed God against all the physical circumstances. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Anyway, and he received... Amen. Amen. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while he still uncircumcised, 
that him uh, started from 11 but don't worry that he might be the father of all those who believe though they are uncircumcised that the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. You see, now we are to walk in the same way that Abraham walked. Although in the physical he had not received what God had said. And everything happening to him, because he was not walking by sight, he was negative. But he chose to believe God against the negativity. Sarah has reached manipulation. And he was impotent as at that time. But he knew that once God had said a child will come through you, God was able to deliver when the time is up. And he trusted God and he walked by faith. That is so amazing. That is why the, I mean, the promise was fulfilled. Let me tell you, if you walk in little faith or dead faith, all the promises will be surrounding you and you will not see it. Note it. Don't just become, I mean, those who believe in what we call easy believism. Oh, we are all uh, children of Abraham. Yes, Abraham blessings. Abraham did something before the blessings became his. And you got to walk the way Abraham walked. Yeah, walking in his footsteps. When he was called to go, he did not know where he was going. Some of us will always want to have argument than to have experience with God. Oh God, you say I should go. Where do you want me to go? Uh, you have to show me. If you don't show me, and then you, be, you begin to tell God that God is stupid. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yeah. Your argument is saying that God, don't you know? No. He just, he just, he just responded. The Bible says it clear. He did not know. Where he was going, but in him, because God has promised, he was looking forward to a city with a foundation whose maker and builder was God. A city with a foundation, he was just going, he was just going, knowing that God is guiding him by his spirit. Amazing, he walked by faith. This is the second reason why you cannot. You cannot overlook growing your faith. Again, it's your express duty. Nobody can do I'm preaching, I'm sweating even now. <laughs> but I want you to know that as much as we love you, we can't do it for you. Hello? We can only preach it and you got to act on it. For you to get a corresponding response from God. There are so many people when they come to the crunch where God is just testing them, testing their faith. Instead of them to move to the level of great faith, they stay in dead faith or little faith. Why? Because they have too many arguments. Because they are walking by sight and they are not walking by faith. The next reason why you have to do everything to grow your faith is that the child of God will pray by faith. Somebody say amen. amen. You are supposed to pray by faith. 
And let's look. Let's go to Matthew. Back to Matthew. If you pray and it's not in faith and it's not backed by faith, the possibility that you will not receive answer is very high. The probability is very high. The doctrine of the Pharisees will tell you that, oh, it doesn't matter. God cares. God knows. It doesn't matter. We are in the world. It matters. God knows. God knows everything. And he's expecting from us. So do what he expects and see God display in your life. When God begins to display in your life, even your enemies will clap for you. Somebody say, hey. When God begins to display in your life, I say your enemies will clap for you. They'll be mesmerized. They'll be surprised because God will set you on high, high on a pinnacle for all eyes to see that God does not disappoint those who put their faith in him. Nobody has trusted God and has been disappointed before. Put your faith in God. Rely on the word of God. Walk solidly on the word of God and you will walk on water and nothing will sink you. Nothing will put you down. The enemy will come in like a flood, but the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against the enemy. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Masote kebe ye. Hey, Masoto. Let, let, let's read, let's read Matthew. Matthew 21, verse 20 to 22. Verse 20 to 22. And when the disciples saw it, look, now is the time of the disciples to also get marveled. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Verse 22, note it. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive it. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Note it. The faith comes before the receiving. You believe before you receive. Yes. Yes. The believing, the faith is ahead. And then the faith will be the vehicle to transport you to what you are asking God for. You know this. This is simple. Jesus approached a fig tree to find something to eat. And there was only leaves and there was no fruit. And Jesus cursed it. And then the following day when they were coming, they saw that the fig tree was dead. And so the disciples were surprised. They were marveled. And then Jesus said, you marveling at this. I want you to know that if you take the word of God and you trust it and you rely on it, you will not only do this, but rather 
you will say to this mountain and it will be removed. And whatever you pray for, if you believe, you will receive it. Note it. Preceding your prayer should be faith. Prayer must be a prayer of faith. That is how we approach God. If you approach God in faith, in prayer, what you are asking God for, you receive. Why in faith? In faith because it should be based on the promises of God. Faith depends on what God has said, what God is teaching, and what God has promised you. So if you take what God has promised you and you take it back to him, some people are wailing and crying and rolling on the floor. And meanwhile, they are praying out of envy because somebody has got something and they think they deserve it better than the person. This is out of envy. No, your prayer should be in faith. That means it should be based on what God has promised you. The general word and the specific word, both the logos and the rima. The rima is what God has spoken to you specifically as an individual. All of us, we have individual promises from God. That is the rima. And then the genre is what God has given to all of us as his children in the Bible. So you must, when you're approaching God, this is what you take to God and say, God, oh, according to your word, you said that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I'm experiencing something contrary. Contrary, I refused it. I, I commanded to go. Lord, extend what you have done through Jesus into my life. Before you see, you receive it. You have said that through the poverty of Jesus, I've been made rich. So when you are going through hardships, either financially or in various wealth uh, situations, you take to God and you say, God, this is not what your word promised me. If I'm lacking in something, if there's something I'm supposed to do that I'm not knowing, bring it to my attention, let me act on it, and let me see, lo and behold, you see the resources of heaven being channeled into. So it must be based on the promises of God. What God has promised you, what God has spoken to you, that is why what he said, what he's going to say to us in a whisper, we will make a shout of it. Because in it, our victory is established. Oh, you believe a shout, hallelujah. This is the year of your shout. Say, hey. This is the year of your shout. If you don't learn to shout in the whisper of God, that means you are not acting in faith. You got to act in faith by shouting before God what God has whispered to you gently and quietly. So that you can lay your hands on it and you can lift it up as a trophy for everybody to know that your God is a faithful God. That if we approach him in prayer by faith, every mountain will be moved away in our lives. Child of God, you cannot ignore the growing of your faith. You cannot play around the growing of your faith. Remember, your faith can be dead. Your faith can be little, your faith can be weak, or your faith can be strong and great. The choice in this is yours. Four, the child of God will resist the devil by faith. When it comes to dealing with attacks of the devil, the only way you can resist the devil and overcome the devil is by faith. Ephesians 6.16 
Let's read it. Ephesians 6, verse 16. See, in Ephesians 6, from verse 10, God was talking about we putting on the whole armor because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But then when we go to, and then he enumerates all the armor or the armory or the armaments that we need to put on individually. Take your time, study it, and you will know all. But then let's see, he says, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the devil or the wicked one. You see, the evil one is always throwing doubts, fairy darts, which are doubts into your mind over the promises of God, over the word of God, so that you will not believe God that what he has said he will deliver. He is always bringing doubts about the sonship of Jesus Christ. He's always bringing doubt about the veracity of the word of God. That even, don't you think that even the scripture, some people went to hide somewhere and they wrote it and that kind of thing. So if you put your, 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 your life on it, it is something antiquated. It is outmoded. Nothing. <clears throat> that is the devil. Using philosophies, using various sophisticated and esoteric, I mean, arguments and knowledge to confuse people. And these are what we call the fiery darts. The Bible says that it is only faith, absolute trust in the word of God, absolute understanding of the word of God, absolute knowledge and action on the word of God can stop the fiery darts from having influence. You cannot use your own personal wisdom. No. You cannot say that I have degrees. It's not about degrees. I have doctorate. It's not about doctorate. It's about how you trust God. It is about how you trust God and how you act on the word of God. Are you there? Amen. Shout hallelujah. Amen. So, this is the only way we can resist the devil. Note it. The devil is our arch enemy, our prime enemy. He's attacking all God's children to get you back into bondage. So he will cast fairy darts. It's full of fire and then it brings doubt. It hits your mind. Boom! And then you are confused over who God is, over what God has said, over the truthfulness of the Bible, over the authenticity of the promises of God. I've tried it. It's taking too long. So it seems like it's not working. I've been doing it. So now I'm going to stop. No, don't put your time on it. At times you may be close to a great miracle. When you yourself put a time on it and then you relent on doing the word of God. Do it rain or shine. Do it no matter what. Do it whether you have people trusting with you to do it or not. Do it when you are alone. Do it in the midst of people. Do it in the midst of confusion. Do it in the midst of hardships. Do it in the midst of war. No matter what, do it. Do it in the midst of ridicule and persecution. Continue to do it. You are close. 
to something great. This is the only way we can resist the devil and overcome the evil one. By faith, the shield of faith, you can resist the fiery darts of the devil. When you read Peter, Peter says, Whom steadfastly resist in faith. We resist the devil in faith. Steadfastly in faith. Finally, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, we can only overcome by faith. Overcome is total victory. You can have total victory only by faith. 1 John chapter 5, I can paraphrase it. The Bible says, What sorrow that is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What sorrow that is born of God. Are you born of God? Yes. You are supposed to overcome. And how can you over overcome? You overcome only by faith. Whatsoever that is, come, that is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if you work on your faith, you will overcome. And the Bible says to him or her that overcomes, God will assign various crowns unto that individual. God is counting on you. God is counting on me as he speaks to us. As he brings us to this level of knowledge and understanding, he wants you to consciously and intentionally and progressively work to grow in your living faith or your radical faith. For it to come to a place where he can say, throughout the whole world, I have not found such great faith in my son or in my daughter. And put your name there. May this be your story. Amen. May this be the expression that God will say concerning you. Let's pray. Blessed God, we bless you and give you all the glory, my Lord and my God. Through the instruction of your word, you are bringing us to a place of growth, stability in you. So that we cannot just be mere professors of people who mention your name, but whose hearts are far away removed from you. We pray that as we listen and imbibe your word, there shall be a correspondence between our words and our actions. This is what we desire, so that we can obtain a good report as the people of old obtained before you. We want to please you, God. We want to overcome the devil. We want to put his fairy darts under our feet. And we want to be people that you can express great remarks concerning our faith. Father, I lift your children before you. Any attempt of the enemy to confuse anyone, to cause anyone to live in the zone of dead faith. That faith is when we know, but we don't act. You have said in your word that faith without action is dead. So Lord, I pray that we will not be such individuals, but rather we shall be people of faith through and through. 
in whatever situation that we find ourselves. Let it be that our faith life will be contagious. Will be infectious. That people that we come into contact will be affected. That they will begin to get ignition of their faith. And that they will begin to pursue you. To know you and to live for you. Father let it be. That if any one of us is languishing in pain, in anxiety, in doubt. May that person be delivered today in the name of Jesus. May you visit that individual by the power of your word. And let that individual be restored, O oh God, to great fellowship in you. We thank you, my Lord and my, my God. We, this week is ahead of us. We are expecting to go about our various activities. Let it be, my Lord and my God, that you will steer the affairs of our lives, O oh God, into victory in everything that we put our hands to do. We thank you, my Lord, that nobody goes into covenant with you and has been frustrated before. The spirit of frustration has no place in our lives because of your truthfulness. We thank you and bless you. We give you all the glory, God, for great testimonies that you are preparing on our lips. We embrace it and we celebrate it. In our next encounter, let it be a time of great celebration and victory once again. We thank you, we bless you for sending Jesus to redeem us from the snares of the devil. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, everyone. Have a real blessed week. And Friday, let's meet to have a testimony to express of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Have a good one. And take care. Bye-bye.